0: food in my mouth perfect hello welcome to going off track (laughs) i'm eating brad's eating i just in honor of our review where somebody said that we eat too much yeah so now we're only going to eat in the intros
1: (laughs) can you hear all the food i've stuck between my teeth right now (laughs) if it bothers you
0: you don't have to listen to the podcast this is a spicy turkey sandwich
1: yeah uh, Brad ran out in a rainstorm and got me a sandwich, which was very nice of him.
0: Yeah, it's kind of guy
1: I am. Yeah. I won't do it for
0: anybody else. No, it's
1: true. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we're in Williamsburg today, and I'm wearing shorts. It was so hot this morning, and now it's like a monsoon outside.
0: It just cooled off, dude. Yeah. It was hot yesterday. You're not paying attention.
1: I never pay attention. I always dress the exact opposite of how I should. <clears throat> I also have a balcony, so I can literally just walk outside, and I never do. I'm like, <laughs> looks kind of sunny.
0: <laughs> My balcony doesn't work because it, it's like all brick, and I feel like it actually retains heat. Interesting. And sometimes it also shelters, you know, depending on the direction. Like the wind is, I guess, usually coming from the other way, so I'll go out on the balcony and be like, oh, fuck yeah, it's nice out, it's hot. And then I'll go outside in shorts like you, and it'll right. be freezing cold. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. <clears throat> Summer New York. Hey, it's upon us. It's a fickle... It's a whole different thing, man. For those of you who have never been to New York in the summer, it's a different animal.
1: Yeah, I used my air conditioning for the first time last night. Yeah. I was so, I've been so uncomfortable lately, and I
0: was like, oh, I have an air conditioner. I should use it. I went and bought three air conditioners a wow. week and a half ago. Did you To three. replace old ones? Yeah, we had two old shitty ones that are, well, no, three old crappy ones that are ready to go. So what do you do? You
1: do like bedroom?
0: Yeah, and living room.
1: And see, so, so where's the third one?
0: Two bedrooms and a living room.
1: Two bedrooms and a living room. Gotcha. Yeah,
0: and we might even use we I use one of those like portable ones, you know, that you yeah. wheel around because we don't wanna we have a really nice view and I don't want to put an air conditioner in the window. When I lived in Cleveland, I bought this it was so hot in my apartment and I bought
1: this super powerful air conditioner and I lived in a very old building and I turned it on. I was like, oh, this thing's great. It's going off. And then my power went off, and I was like, oh, (laughs) shit, I served the breaker. And then I went out in the hallway. I was like, oh, everyone's power's (laughs) out In the whole building. (laughs) Because of you? Because of me. (laughs) And it became this thing where, like, there were a couple, like, kind of, like, People my age in the building. There's this like kind of cute girl at the end of the hall, and she was like, "You know what? I'm gonna light some candles. Like, we should like you guys should come over." And I remember like hanging out with like a couple of people like, playing acoustic guitars, like <laughs> drinking beers. So I was like, "This is actually kind of cool." You made a blackout, man. Yeah. And then my the landlord came over, and he was like, "Dude, you have to get rid of this thing." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was literally, I was like, "I'll get rid of it if you don't tell anyone. This was my fault." Because everyone was so pissed, and I I knew it was me. And they're like, "This sucks." So I was like, "You know, this fucking building." <laughs> so old, they never update anything. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you're such a liar.
0: <laughs> you had like fucking airlifted in an industrial strength. It wasn't
1: even that crazy, I think, but it was definitely too much for They drew a lot of power, man. Yeah, I didn't realize that, I guess. Yeah. They do. What's it like air conditioning a recording studio? Because I'd imagine sound it's is ex- such a
0: extremely uh it's expensive. Okay. Although you know, it's funny because uh, the act of of, um, of soundproofing essentially uh, really well insulates a space, like beyond insulates it. So you don't have any heat or cooling loss out of an air, out of a studio at all. I mean, it's amazing. They're probably like the best insulated structures, but you're constantly generating heat. The console and the equipment Oh, right. like huge heaters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, when you, you got a tube amps, I guess. And yeah. Like, mainly it's the console, like those okay. big SSL consoles that, you know, people traditionally mix on. Like if you're going to build a studio and put one of those in, you actually have to budget for the electricity. Because you'll spend ten grand a month on electricity.
1: Let me ask you this question. <laughs> um we're almost done here in case you're fast forwarding <laughs> through all this. Uh someone was telling me like if you have like an amp, it's it's still drawing power if it's plugged in, even if it's not on or on standby. Like they were like you should unplug your big amps and any like music equipment where you're not using it because it will continue to draw power. Is that true?
0: I do not know. I don't know about
1: that. Or if it's true, is it something like significant? I mean,
0: I'm I couldn't tell you. I do know that the way that a power amp is—you talking about like a guitar amp? Yeah. Well, there's a pa- there's a power switch right at the main. No, it's not true. I don't okay. I don't think it could be true. This isn't like probably something someone in like high
1: school like told me once, and I'm like, you
0: know what draws power is wall warts. What? You know, wall warts, like those plugs for, for like everything in our life, you know, where there's a big block with a plug on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like for like whatever. I mean, even like an iPhone my, charger yeah. is, is a small wall wart. But those little things, you, you know, when you unplug your phone or you unplug your fucking whatever you're plugged into it, like those things have, uh, the electronics is still active in the in the block of plastic. Interesting. So yeah, they continue to draw power. Yeah, maybe that's what your friend. was Maybe about. yeah. So, but a guitar amp should not. I don't think because gotcha. it has a, the main power lead. That's where the switches. When you flip off your power switch, I think I don't think there's any other leads that go to any other circuitry.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. There you go. All right, and that has been today's segment of <laughs> <laughs> talking recording with Brad. Talking tech bullshit with Talkin Brad. With it. <laughs> um, luckily for you. This that not the name of this podcast, it's <laughs> called Going Off Track. And today we have an amazing guest, Anika Pyle. Um, you may know her, um, from being in the now defunct but highly celebrated band Chumped for a long time. And uh, Anika now is doing um, a new band, it's called Katie Ellen. Um, she lives in my neighborhood, she's super cool, she knows it a lot about. A lot of interesting topics that we don't know a lot about, so we, yeah, we talked, um, was Benny on this podcast? Maybe. we had. Kind pre- of stopped doing this. Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> we recorded this one
1: a while ago. We had a guest host, maybe. I don't think Benny was. I don't think he was. But
0: I'm going to end up editing
1: this. Maybe now. Steven was. Sorry about that. Sorry to add extra work for you. Anyways, we, we, uh, we talked about a lot of interesting stuff. We talked a lot about trump, a lot about her new band, and then we talked a lot... The night before this podcast, she did a show with former guests Chris Farron and Laura Stevenson, and talked a lot about binary gender, gender identity, all this stuff that is not really a big part of my life, but I'm interested in. So, and she did a really good job of explaining all these sort of.
0: Laura Stevenson is due back here.
1: Laura is due back. She's a
0: great guest.
1: Laura's great. Yeah, we did one. Yeah, we did one with her and Jeff. But I guess that was probably like a, when her record came out. That's we get her a back, ago, man. She lives upstate now. Uh but we'll get her down here. But yeah, Anika was great. Um she's a super, super talented musician, um and knows a lot of other stuff and works at a cool coffee shop I mean to go to. <laughs> so it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So um yeah, enjoy this this fun podcast with Anika Pyle. So Anika, um, thank you for helping us troubleshoot the tech <laughs> tech issues this morning. You're
2: so welcome.
1: Um, is that something you do on the side or not really?
2: No, uh, absolutely not. Um, actually, I know nothing about computers or okay. phones, and I had someone who was definitely under the age of 20 years old teach me how to use Twitter the other day. Yeah, uh, which made me feel, which really empowered me, but mm-hmm. made me feel uh, like I'm a complete idiot. <laughs> So, I didn't know that you had to put the dot in front of the at oh, if yeah. you're like starting the tweet with the at or else no one's going to see it.
1: When I first got Twitter Sarah LeWitton had it first and I was <coughs> tweeting at her like, can you see this? Like I didn't <laughs> understand. And she was like, yeah everyone that follows. And I was like, is, are we just texting? Was, yeah, so I sort of understand it now. Sort of. That's,
3: that's the only one I understand is Twitter. Everything else I don't get Like I, like Instagram I sound like great grandfather where it's like uh it's just pictures right (laughs) like yeah and I'm like so so who cares (laughs) and I'm like no even my wife is like no 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 Instagram is cool you can see what other people are looking at and taking pictures of and I'm like yeah that just doesn't sound exciting to me at all (laughs) and you can also put pictures on Twitter so what's the difference
1: yeah yeah that is true Anika what's your social media presence like
2: uh, well, it's funny that you say that because I was just thinking about how it's really just, I don't know. I feel like if you're looking at my social media, you'd be like, who is this weirdo person? Who <laughs> Like, I just, yeah, I don't know how to do much of anything. And, but I just got into photo editing, which is oh, nice. Yeah? yeah. Like editing on my phone, which is cool. But my social media presence is like... Uh, I'm just like an old person, so Instagram I can do OK, actually. Twitter don't really? understand it at all.: Yeah. My Instagram's on lock. Well not. Nah, yeah, I would not right say on. that good. but it's pretty good.: It's OK. I like take pictures of like flowers and um, like trash on the street and stuff.
3: But what makes your pictures of flowers and the trash on the street stand out against all the other pictures of flowers and trash on the street?
2: Uh, I don't think they stand out at all. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> that's, that's well played, Anika. Well,
2: that's the thing is like, I, uh, you know, I don't really care that much. I actually like hate my phone, but I do sometimes take pictures and I'm like, I'd like to share this with the two people who care out there on the internet somewhere.
3: Yeah. Why do you hate your phone?
2: Because it's like, a constant distraction from reality. On the way here, I was like, "I wish I was being more mindful." But I'm just listening to this song, and I'm really into it. And what? then I like w- completely walked past Hope Street, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a metaphor of my it? whole life." Uh, I've been really into this artist, Mickey Blanco. Okay. Um, the song is called "She Gotta." Okay. Uh, very important um like non binary uh like rap hip hop artist that okay. I just got into like two days ago and I can't stop listening to it.
0: Um
1: so I saw you you played with Chris and Laura the other mm-hmm. night. That was great. Steven you missed an awesome show. Um yeah, I, 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 all of
3: my life is missing awesome shows. It's okay.
1: <laughs> but you were sort of talking about the non binary stuff mm-hmm. in between songs and I was like I think I'm on Anika's side with this, but I don't know what it is. But I feel like generally... But can you explain that maybe for people who are like me?
2: Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I was talking about the... Like, the hegemonic binary. The hegemonic gender binary, essentially. Which is like... You... There's two... People have this perception that there's two genders. There's, you know... There's women and men, which is associated with your sex, male or female, and your sexual preference, which is your both your like outward, basically, okay, let me back up. I wish I had my book so I could show you the picture, but it's like, women look like women, so I think that we all have an idea of what a quote-unquote woman looks like in our mind. We think that they are also female, so they're, like, biology is, they have specific set of sex organs, and then they also are presumed to, to be uh, like, quote-unquote, heterosexual, so they have a sexual preference for a man, which we can all picture what a man looks like, and that man is associated with a particular set of sex organs that are quote-unquote male and they are also uh, you know oriented to have sexual preference towards a quote-unquote woman and the thing about the hegemonic binary is that it's been drilled into our brains so consistently that we adopt these ideas that are you know they're just categories that we've invented to understand people Uh, but it's like so limiting because your idea of a woman is like expansive you know and your idea of a man is like should be expansive but it's it's not and like people don't adhere to those binaries as consistently as you think they would so like a lot of people who are like yeah that's a woman looks like a woman definitely has female sex organs and is into men like that you know nothing about that person like other than what the visual cues are telling you that they look like and those are backed by assumptions about what kind of person that they are so what I was talking about at the show was deconstructing the binary in your brain so it's like I think a problem that we're facing right now um, is people are challenging you know, it's not a problem. I think it's like amazing. But a lot of people approach this as like a social issue. It's like people challenge the binary. So like you don't know how to categorize someone. Someone doesn't use a pronoun that you're used to. Someone doesn't identify <clears> as a woman but looks like a woman and like does things that you think a woman should do, or, you know, someone otherwise is like a very, you know, normative looking and behaving um you know, man, but they do a bunch of other things that fall outside of the binary's assumption of what a man does, either, you know, who they fuck or what they, how they cut their hair even, or, you know, like what they choose to do with their time, how feminine they are. Um, And so I think like challenging everyone to understand how non-binary they probably are in many ways uh, will allow people to be more understanding and accepting of, like, things outside of this, like, hegemonic rule of man, woman, male, female, uh, heterosexual. Um, yeah, like, everyone is so much more queer than they think they are, uh, I think. And if you could just, like, open <laughs> yourself right. to that, we would all be, like, a little bit more, we would be better for it.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I didn't never have heard any of that stuff.
2: I read a book that um, was, it's like an academic book, but it was very readable and digestible. It was called Feminism is Queer. And it was um, just like a brief overview of the intersectionality of feminist and queer theory. And it did the best explanation of the gender binary that I've ever (coughs) read. It was really helpful well
1: it's been and I'm not gonna like pretend I know anything about feminism so just as a caveat <laughs> <Okay>.
3: <laughs> um, but it is except like, you do well I mean, I mean maybe I do but like I'm not I, I don't do know do you think women should be treated the same make as much money as a man for the same job uh, among other things sure then you're a feminist boom okay. done but it seems simple. like
1: there's some kind of like friction like between like what I've read like sort of like the feminist community and like some of the trans stuff like it does seem like i've read all stuff where like there'll be like a festival and then like they won't be sure and like so that that kind of stuff is interesting to me because you would think it would, like it's almost like i read this article and they were interviewing both sides and they were basically like these trans people don't understand our struggle we've been women our whole lives mm-hmm. and now you know what i mean it's which i thought was like really just outside of my i don't know
2: yeah I actually was thinking about I'm not sure if we're referring to the same like festival it's situation like, been going in out
1: for our, like forty years or something yeah okay.
2: and the thing is like part of you know what's important I think about talking about breaking down the binary is that women who are you know cis women who are who adhere to the binary a lot even if you know maybe they're sexual. Preferences are more expansive than you would think um or their clothing is you know their their visual like bodily cues would lead you to believe they're more radical women or whatever um a lot of women feel like a feminist sisterhood with other cis women like you have a period it's a struggle you're right. like oppressed from birth like and you know, I understand that and it's very important and like it's, you know, a very powerful relationship. Um, but I also think that all women are not, I hate using the term all, but cis women are doing themselves a disservice if they're not opening their sisterhood to trans women. And I think we have a problem with expanding our definition of woman um, to include all different types of women. There are so many different types of ways to be a woman. There are so many different types of ways to be a man. If you feel empowered by identifying as a woman, then great. If you feel empowered by identifying as a man, then great. If you feel empowered by completely identifying as something different and making something up that works for you, then fucking fantastic. But the thing is, is that closing yourself to relationships that can break down oppression because you're unwilling to like open your own re-identification to include different types of people, I think is really dangerous. Um,
3: Where does the binary thing end with, say, like uh, the Rachel Dolzai, like, race identification or, um, even, a uh, deaf people, uh, my brother's hearing impaired. Um, and, but he can hear. Mm-hmm. And so he was never accepted into like the deaf community or deaf schools, um, because they identify as a race. Now I have another friend who's very big in the deaf community and his, both his parents were deaf. Mm-hmm. So he grew up signing and he said, it's a really big discrepancy if, if someone gets say a cochlear implant so that they can hear. Yeah. Then they get ostracized, which is very weird because it's not looked upon as a disability. Whereas if you're in a wheelchair and all of a sudden you cannot get an operation, you can walk, you're not going to get you know people people aren't going to look at that as you betraying something. So uh, it's like I wonder how that does that fall in any of those categories of, uh, of what of the de- that categories of the definition of binary for you?
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, I I have a hard time like. I can't speak for um, other communities necessarily, Um, but I think that it's important to feel empowered by group identification um, because, you know, that's how shit gets done. That's how things change. Um, But I think that we have an overall problem with understanding forgiveness and acceptance. Um, and there's a lot of trauma involved in most people's struggle. Uh, and so you can, you know, be triggered easily by someone who you thought you identified with and then now they're different or they're more able or they're, you know, less they're not a woman anymore or whatever, Uh, but it doesn't mean that they didn't identify with that struggle at one point. And the thing about identity that's really hard for people people to accept is that you can identify as whatever you want whenever you want. That's a personal choice. And people who identify similarly find power in numbers because it's empowering to share your struggle with others. But people have a tendency to forget that like, opening yourself... To understanding the different types of struggle, like the different types of identification, um, like I think it limits it limits you. It's like you can be protective of your own personal experience and your struggle and the experience that um you've you know shared with those people who identify similarly, and I think that's really important. But I also think that we all need to be a little bit better about being understanding of difference. You know, it's like, don't forget that the reason why you're empowered is because you're different. And like, you know, don't shut out people who are also different, like bring people in, like include people like Listen to them. Like, just, like, fucking listen to people. We have a serious problem with not listening, which goes back to, like, the, you know, the whole phone thing is, like, uh, if you, like, listen with an open heart and, like, a forgiving heart and, like, understand a little bit about what someone's going through um, instead of being quick to, like, shame them or chastise them or talk shit about them on the internet without knowing who they are or... I don't know. I don't know.
1: I think it's interesting because I think it's cool you think about this stuff so much because I feel like it's so easy just to get caught up in your own world and sort of like your own viewpoints and not really concern yourself with stuff that doesn't directly affect you. <laughs> it's Benny. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And and Anika is swearing so much right now <laughs> that I have to keep <laughs> bleeping her and it is is—it's really not cool to be honest.
2: Uh. <clears throat> Uh, whoa, chill out. Whoa, dog.
3: There you are. Just bring him in. Okay. We I got can hear right. everything. I just couldn't see for a second. Yeah. I think Benny was calling, but <clears throat> we'll get him
1: later. Um, um,
2: yeah, I don't know. I, I like what you
3: said about inclusion because the hard part about inclusion and also you said forgiveness, which I also like, is if you're going to talk and listen to somebody, you got to listen to people whose point of view is the complete and utter opposite mm-hmm. and is super, super judgy i find it I, when i was in college uh krs1 came and spoke and i know i've mentioned this before in the podcast and the first thing he said was when he had uh this whole crowd of people uh of which there was four white people i was one of them mm-hmm. was uh <clears throat> there can be no end of racism till there's an end of sexism and that st- stuck with me mm-hmm. and like and like like burned me and Never. Not until I had girls as a dad did all of a sudden even more sexism start. I just see it everywhere. Yep. And uh, to the point where I went up to the manager at a Toys R Us and like, why aren't the tools in the
2: girls section too? <laughs> Hell yeah.
3: And they went, they said, uh, it's poor people who work there. And I said, but the doctor's stuff is in the girls section. I'll give you that one. <laughs> And then the other day, we were out buying uh, cupcakes for their birthday, and um, they wanted. To, they, they had um, a place we were at. The grocery store had cupcakes with different like superhero rings in them, Batman mm-hmm. and Superman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so proud of them. They both went, "Where's Wonder Woman and Supergirl?"
2: Hell yeah! <laughs>
3: and the ladies were like, uh. <laughs> and then we were at some store that had all these Star Wars pillows and pillows, Star Wars pillows. And one of my girls went. Uh, I'm gonna go see the Princess Leia one, and they didn't have one. Oh no! Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like it's so it's so weird. It's like you're exactly right, and I hate saying it, but you're born a woman. The deck is stacked, and it sucks because I've yet in my life met a guy smarter or more intuitive than than a a woman (laughs) ever. And I mean that in all seriousness, not placating on anything. It's Uh, Most guys I know are dummies and self-admittedly and most women I know are very smart. And there's always that, you know, yeah, there is there is the um, predication towards emotion. But, you know, some of that's biology. And I don't mean that in any kind of uh, disrespectful way. I have nieces who are just hitting 13 and 14. (laughs) And there is a there is a crazy change, which is fascinating and also horrifying because I have twin girls. (laughs) You know, yeah. But it's 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 it saddens me, and I get I get very nervous about like you know, and and my wife and I are very open. We're like, you know, they're they're very into being a mom now. That's their that's what they both want to be as moms. Mm -hmm. And and they're twins. One of them's like, I'm going to have a girl. The other one's like, I don't want to have a baby. Why do I want to have a baby? And I'm like, Yeah, right on. You don't have to do that. Yeah, that's weird. Um, do whatever you want I, before
1: we start talking about like green day or something <laughs> <laughs> I have like one more question mm-hmm. uh, about this stuff because i would be interested in getting your take so i feel like we probably have a lot of the same ideas but i do think like what steven's saying about like being open to other ideas and that kind of stuff that seems in some ways to sort of be at odds with like i do feel like a lot of these super or progressive college campuses and stuff like are sort of not open like i feel like whenever there's someone like Not all the time, but it seems like a lot of times when someone they don't agree with comes, they like protest it or try to get them banned or like try to interrupt. And to me like that, that part of it, I just can't sort of get behind. Like, it does seem like a little bit. You don't want to sort of hear anything that doesn't exactly agree with your point of view, which I think it's always good to know other people's points of view, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, that's what freedom of speech is about you know what i mean um and it's hard to watch someone who disseminates very hateful ideas have a platform right Um, well
3: there are rules about freedom of speech that people forget uh, there are there that you have freedom of speech you do have a right but much like you have a right to have a gun you don't and a lot of places have a right to shoot somebody, so there's 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 laws in place for that, you right. know? and it's it's weird to say, but it's the truth, so you can't just you can't race bait or incite,
2: yeah and, well, yeah, and then I'm, say I, yeah of I'm speech. not
1: talking about having like white
3: supremacists or something like yeah,
2: oh, I mean I think I,
3: you are Jonah, and I think it's time for you to come clean <laughs>
2: no, I think it's important to like that is a very different scale from um you know shutting someone out of a conversation because right. you don't think that they identify with your values or they um, you know are not are insensitive and so therefore you don't want to even entertain a conversation with them because you don't feel like your entire life has to be a learning opportunity for someone um, I think it's important for people to express their ideas and then I think it is equally if not more important for people to retain the right to counter those ideas through protest, through art, through, uh, you know, idea making. Um, and it's when like nonviolently, sorry, not, not an advocate for violence, but like, you know, it's okay for people to speak their mind and it's okay for people to speak their mind with a completely opposite opinion. I think the problem is that everyone needs To listen a little bit more and like and um it's hard to be understanding when like you just can't fucking understand why someone would think the way that they think. Totally. Um but it's important to like open yourself and remain kind, I think. Um and sometimes it's hard like I don't mean like, oh baby, you like hate anyone who is not like you. Like that's so sad. Like let's hold hands and talk about it. But be like why do you think that? Here's what I think. Like come come into my space so you can learn something if you're going to make a fucking mockery of it, you know? Like I think about this all the time at it shows. It's like learn to be, learn to like be respectful. If you're going to be disrespectful, like I'm going to ask you to leave. But like I'm not going to publicly shame you about it. I'm not going to be like don't you know? I'm not going to be like this guy sucks and like he should get the fuck out and like fuck him and everybody like him. Like I'm gonna be like, that is not a way to be a person. You have disrespected someone. Like, don't touch people who are strangers. Like, with force or sexual violence. Like, don't assault people. Remove yourself and like, take a refund on the way out. You know, has
1: like, it, has that happened at your shows before? Because I would think a, like a Chomter and anika show would be pretty like people with similar values to you, not for the most part, but.
2: Yeah, I mean you—you'd you'd think you'd think <laughs> that, but like people, you know, not a, being a good person is not common sense, you know. Right, right. And that when we played Austin, Chump uh, played Austin with Jeff Rosenstock last about a year ago now. Um, there was a person who was, you know, essentially assaulted in the front row during the show i had no idea ne- no one at the show no one playing had any idea that it happened if it had we would have obviously addressed it immediately like um but through the internet we found out later and then um you know responsibly <laughs> reached out to this like all appropriate parties and made a statement about being a fucking human being at in a public space. It's like, you don't touch people. Like, I mean, you go to a show, you expect to be in close quarters with someone. You don't put your hands anywhere on them intimately or forcefully like ever. You don't do that. You don't do that on the subway. You don't do that on the street. You don't do that with like a sexual partner unless you know that they're comfortable with it or that, or that they can communicate that they don't want it. Um, and, and, we take a lot of liberties on like physical uh intimacy and that was just so incredibly inappropriate and i feel like no matter what kind of show i play i feel like you have to open it with a statement about like personal space like don't touch people's bodies they teach you that in montessori school i don't know where your kids <laughs> go to school but they like you know, you like have to ask a kid if you can give them a hug. You have to ask a kid if they want like their hand to be held when you. Well, maybe not when you cross the street, but like you should ask. And they're not. You don't. You're not taught to like consent to anyone touching you when you're a kid. Because when you're a kid, people just like pick you up and hug you and like toss you around. Yeah. And it's like tickle you. I it's like know. I don't want you to touch me. Like how am I it's supposed a to learn if what's a comfortable? The kid says, "Stop
3: tickling me." You stop. That's, yeah, that's how it's got to be. Yeah, Consen- um, consent is a hard thing. To teach, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't have rights as a child. And that's the fact. That's why there's 18. And you, you do not. I <laughs> was a teacher. There are no rights as a child. Um, people take care of you, have to help you do things. Um, there's a responsibility of, a, of an adult. And that is really hard. That's why there's a big push with teaching children is empathy. Yeah. And it has been for a number of years now. Preschool has changed, and it's actually very cool. Um, So empathy is kind of a big deal. But I have a question. Nika, where are you from?
2: I'm from Colorado.
3: Right on. What part?
2: Mm, Monument. It's like a right outside of Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah. Uh God-fearing town.
3: Yeah, that'll do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always good when they fear God. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sinners in the hands of fear him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'd fear it too,
2: shit. I love living my life in fear. That's how I want to live.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's yeah, good. Great. It's great. Anytime I get like an email, I'm like, this is bad news. Yeah. Like,
3: it's <laughs> like, why do I do this?
2: It's
3: the best thing ever that could happen to me. And when did you when did you make your way to the East Coast?
2: I moved here. I moved to New York City in two thousand seven, August of two thousand
1: seven. Wow, right
3: I moved here in did... two thousand seven too.
2: Hell yeah. Just
1: a dream in a suitcase.
2: Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pink suitcase and a dream. Did
3: you? Uh, did, you uh, did you? Did you? Did you attend higher learning schools after Montessori? Or
2: uh, I did. I went to NYU. Um, oh
3: yes. Yeah. So I'm, full ride, right?
2: Uh, no, like three quarters of a ride. But I really had to beg them to do it. Um, they, yeah, I. The thing that they don't tell you when you're 17 is uh, that when you assume complete financial responsibility for your higher education, that means that if you can't pay someone your sophomore year, you don't get to go back to school. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I like had to, I had to basically write a letter to everyone I I knew at NYU and be like, I can't, afford this. It's actually ridiculous that you think anyone could afford this.
3: It's insane (laughs) how much that school costs. I know a lot of people have gone through there.
2: It's, yeah. I just, I, you know, grew up not, I didn't apply to any schools at home. I really wanted to go to NYU, but, like, didn't want to, um, I don't know. I came from a poor family. Like, wanted to escape the cycle of poverty. Understood that Getting a higher education was the best way to do that. Didn't want to settle for something that I didn't want, which meant that I showed up in New York City $200,000 in debt. Um, So it was like, I escaped the cycle of poverty, only to be back in the cycle of poverty. Um, But I don't like, you know, even though it took a lot of work to like get scholarships, to like beg the dean To get me more scholarships to like, you know, get a bunch of grants. So like the last two years, two and a half years of my school were funded. Um, But, you know, I'm sitting on thousands and thousands of dollars of debt right now. That is like... That's
3: awful. I'm sorry.
2: That's okay. It's just like a reality, which it shouldn't be, Ah, but...
3: That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry it's a reality for for anybody. And what did you study?
2: I studied metropolitan studies and food studies. So it was basically like an interdisciplinary social sciences degree about like food culture and the city. Cool. Yeah. And
3: I had no idea, of course, a like that
2: existed. I like it. <laughs> I didn't
1: either. Then you decided to start a punk band to get rich? Yeah. Smart. Yeah.
2: I was like, this is just not... I just gotta... <laughs> yeah. You should try doing a free podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, also
3: it's a great way to lucrative. break even in life,
2: trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Word. I'm about that.
1: Um And... uh, So what did you... Did you have any, like, cool dorms you lived at here? Because I had some friends who went to NYU lived in these, like, like on Union Square, like all those amazing places.
2: Yeah, I lived... I went straight to 4th and 14th, and that was the first place I lived in New York. Okay. Oh, shit. Nice. Um, which was crazy to me, because now thinking about living in Union Square, it's like, who lives there? <laughs> totally. Totally. Um,
3: God, it's so expensive there.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then I lived in uh, the West Village in a dorm for a little while.
3: Okay. Oh, really? What street?
2: Greenwich. At the and- Greenwich Hotel. Sounds fancy. And what? Greenwich and I don't know. It was like a block from. I can't remember. I think it was Greenwich Street, not Greenwich Avenue, because there's an avenue, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but it was like two blocks from the river, which was re- very cool. But yeah. I lived with like I think there was one, two, three, four, five, six. There was eight girls in one apartment. There's three bedrooms, so I had two other people in my room, and my <laughs> I looked out onto a brick wall so there was like no natural light in the apartment at all um
3: sounds about right the yeah. West Village will poison you though because when you walk around there you're like oh this is doable I could live here and have a life this is wonderful yeah and
2: then it's like oh 70 million dollars for this house great oh
3: <laughs> uh, it's insane for this one bedroom apartment where the floor is uneven yeah. yeah
2: that's crazy
3: thanks
1: um and then so you also work at a coffee shop we've talked about this mm-hmm. Um, have you is that have you always done that or is that something sort of new or have you always been into coffee?
2: I've always been into coffee. My first, well, my technically my first like job in New York City was working at a coffee shop, and I I always wanted to do that. I just had romanticized it in my mind. Um, like, yeah, I want to work at a coffee shop in the East Village, totally. uh, and I did, and it was great. And I like working in coffee, although I have to, it's been like my second job for a long time. Now okay. it is my job, um, but I've been like in management and done nonprofit administration and I've had like a thousand different jobs, um, but I like coffee coffee because it's a I can like learn a skill (laughs) and I feel like when you study metropolitan studies and food studies it's really (laughs) hard to define what skills you have like I have great critical analysis skills I have great writing skills I have um great like people skills but none none of that really no one cares um, so. I got fired from
3: a coffee shop so I know that's pretty important really?
2: <laughs>
3: I've been fired from most jobs I've got a pretty good record of being let go from places well I didn't really get fired but they weren't so sad to see me leave um, Trish like my wife quotes this story a lot because there's a, It was a coffee bean and tea leaf in California and someone said can you just fill up that, that French roast bin and I did and it wasn't until after I did that that I saw that I filled it up with all espresso beans oh no <laughs> and so I, I just didn't tell anybody. Oh no! And sometimes I look back and think I really affected a lot of people's days.
1: Is it that big of a difference?
2: Well, if you're, it's not
1: like you filled it with like LSD or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the other one. I did. On.
2: I mean, it depends on who you ask.
1: I feel here's my thing. I like coffee. I drink it all the time, mm-hmm. but I don't have to drink it every day. I also don't feel like it gives me any energy. Like, I feel like I have, like, a freaky body where, like, nothing, like, affects me the way it should. Like, I'll drink all this coffee. I'm like, yeah, I feel the same. Like, if I smoke a joint or something, I'm like, all right, I feel different. Yeah. But if I drink a bunch of coffee or, like, drink a bunch of juice or do a cleanse, I'm always like, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> like, I'm still me. Yeah, I'm, like, so... I drink so much coffee. Or, like, so consistently. Do you want some more? I can get you some more. Thank you so much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, the, it's the most popular addictive drug.
2: Uh Yeah, I just... I don't even feel, I don't, I just like need it to like feel human.
1: Do you get a headache if you don't drink it?
2: Um, I don't know. It's been a really long time since I haven't (laughs) drank it. But it's also the ritual of it, which is why working in coffee is interesting because it is so ritualistic. Like people get the same thing every day. It's part of their process, you know, and it's interesting the way that uh people like rely upon it or like plan their day around it or that or that it really does affect you. Like if you are used to getting the same French roast at a coffee shop like every day, three hundred and sixty five days a year and then all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck is this? Because it's like espresso instead of French roast, then
3: Do you ever just yell addict across the counter at anybody (laughs) just to see how they'd react?
2: No, because you know, we I'm I'm part of that community, you know, so I understand.
3: Do you, how do you feel about, like, this,
1: like... I, I like that I'm asking about all these topics I know nothing about, but I'm, it seems like there's, like, a trend now for kind of, like, super fancy, kind of high-end, like, mm-hmm. $5, like, pour-over. Like, do you think that stuff is cool, or do you think it's, like, getting a little out of control, or uh, what's your official stance?
2: My, It's complicated, um, because I think I don't, like the co optation of such a like accessible and you know proletarian beverage by the grotesque um like intricacies of like taste. Uh
3: why do you hate Ethiopia?
2: <laughs> I I love <laughs> Ethiopia. Um, I actually went to a de- delicious... I don't know if I can say that, but I went to a delicious Ethiopian restaurant the other night and I was like... Ethiopian food's amazing. It yeah, really it good. was so good. Buna. Especially if you like it was raw meat. East Village. No, it was Buna on mm-hmm. um, Flushing and Knickerbocker. Really? Yeah. It's so good. My favorite place I've been to in New York City in a really long time.
3: That's great. The Ethiopian because, food is
1: so phenomenal.
2: Yeah, it was really good.
1: I'll forget the name, but then I can listen to this podcast.
2: Great, And Perfect.
1: then I'll be like, yeah, 38 in it. 10. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but... Uh, coffee? I don't know. I, I think like again, it's just like people get obsessed about taste and like that shit is preferential and right. really based on your like access to time and money. Um, and this is like essentially what I studied in okay. school was uh, and then I got a grant to like buy a bunch of coffee, which was great. But Nice. Um, yeah. I, it's like some people like Dunkin' Donuts. Some people like a $5 pour-over. One is not better than the other. Like, you can... There are, like, objective, you know, quote-unquote, like, objective reasonings that one could be better than the other. Like, Dunkin' Donuts is a massive corporation. Like, they don't take care of their employees. They don't give a shit about the quality of the beans. They don't source from, like, farms that are, uh, you know, like... Selling product at a price where they're going to be able to survive. Uh, they
3: don't bake their donuts on premises. They don't either. bake
2: their donuts on premises. You know, like you can. And neither like, does
3: Krispy Kreme, except for the icing ones. I've looked into this.
2: <laughs> there you go. That's a reason. Whereas, like mm-hmm. you know, the fancy coffee shop that's like a five dollar pour over and like a ten dollar croissant that they like bake right there for you, like you know, every day. Um, that's fair trade. They like can you know source the farm. Um, like someone might say that one is better than the other, but uh, that's that's all based on like your experience, and right. I don't like the sort of like pretension of the coffee industry, um, because. I think that people should, again, be a little bit more forgiving, accepting, and understanding of people's preferences and also their position. Like not everyone can afford to buy your good cup of coffee and their cup of coffee is good. And even if they buy your good cup of coffee, they're still going to put milk and sugar in it because that's how they like to drink it. And that doesn't make them a bad person. It just makes them different.
3: It's pretty Um, fascinating to see an industry that's happened in our lifetimes because mm -hmm. it was even up in the 80s. The quote was, uh, you know, that and a dime will get you a cup of coffee because coffee was the cheapest thing ever. And then proliferation, it has become uh, almost elitist in some ways. And then it went right back down to, well, everybody can go to Starbucks, but you're still paying a lot more money, which fascinates me.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting, like the science of coffee. Um, Yeah. The, you know, I mean... I was a person who was like, I don't want to have anything to do with science. Like, I'm never going to use science in my job. I want a job that I don't have science. I want the humanities. And then all of a sudden, I'm like using a machine reader that reads like you know extraction percentages to like make a cup of coffee. And I'm like, where am I? Why am I doing this? And but it's it is really interesting the way that the scientific method is applied in like very serious coffee industry situations it's like you approach the espresso like how am I gonna make this good and then it's like well what's good I guess like these parameters are good and then you can change these four variables and you know you wanna get this particular percentage yield and it's like that stuff is interesting and it's also just fine to like go to McDonald's and like buy a dollar cup of coffee like when you have nothing else and you're in the middle of the country on tour and you are like thirsty for coffee you know
1: like yeah What do you think of the Keurigs? Uh, Yeah.
2: I think it's like, I mean, it's just wasteful. Yeah. You know, it's so much plastic. Uh,
3: That is that. Yeah. it's a big deal.
2: That's the biggest thing for me is like, you're constantly, I don't like being tethered to anything that's disposable. It's like you buy a French press, you don't ever have to buy a filter for it. It's like, um, you know, even if you use like a, like a, Mr. i have a mr coffee too and i have a like a reusable yeah, yeah, same filter here. i don't like keurig because it's like i don't really like the coffee that it makes most of the time but i'm not gonna complain if it's the only thing around um but it's just like so much material that like is just going into a trash heap i don't like that about it
1: we toured with a band this band silver snakes mm-hmm. in the west coast and they were like the biggest beer and coffee snobs I've ever met, like we'd be late to shows because they'd be like, we have to stop at this one place <laughs> and they would only, I And mean, they like, I guess there's like with espresso you're supposed to drink it like, fat, like at, when it's at a certain temperature or something, I don't know and then I remember we were late for a show and we were near a Starbucks and I was like do you guys just want to get espresso there and they were like are you fucking kidding, like they couldn't <laughs> believe it, like they were like, I can't believe you, su-. I was like, sorry, like it's really funny how like, I don't know, just like punks or like dudes in bands and stuff can get so like like into that stuff and like don't really think they're being pretentious i'm like are you guys serious yeah "Yeah."
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a strange thing it's really it's funny how how like beer and coffee has become a lot more like wine but people who are into beer and coffee like tend to shun a lot of things that totally you know the wine industry promotes but like it's the same Kind I just of pretension.
1: feel like I like all those things but I don't have that like I can't really tell that much of a difference. Like if it's good it's just fine. Like mm-hmm. I feel like people are like do you taste this like vanilla and like oak or whatever? I'm like no, I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> Can you taste that stuff?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you you have to like develop a palate for that. Yeah. Which again means that, you know, to taste oak or to taste kiwi or like star fruit you have to have tasted star fruit and kiwi. Like a lot of people don't have access to those things. Right.
1: That's um, true.
2: You know, or like they they haven't they don't know what like bourbon vanilla beans are because they're not reading about it in like every specialty food magazine and they can't buy it at their local grocery store. So it's like yeah, to be able to have an expansive palate, you have to have a myriad of experiences that require access to a money to buy those things or purchase those experiences or time. Uh, so you can sit around all day and like taste stuff and talk about what it tastes <laughs> like. And to have a bunch of time, you have to have a bunch of money anyway. So
1: I don't like, know if you can see this. Anika's eating a starfruit and kiwi sandwich right now. <laughs> and it looks delicious. Did she make it on chopped? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. My sister was recently on The Chew. Have you seen that show?
2: Uh my grandma yeah. loves the chew. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Vanessa was on it like last week and she couldn't believe how they could stir stuff and talk at the same time. <laughs> and she kept talking about it. she was like, How do you guys this is amazing, right? <laughs> and they're like, I guess this is our job. It was oh, really funny. That's funny. Yeah. Like do you watch that. any of those cooking like shows or anything?
2: I used to when I was um
1: I know I'm asking all like the real hard hitting questions. No, right it's now. okay.
2: I used to when I was younger. It's like how I got people like talk shit about Rachel Ray, but I like learned most things about cooking, like, or preparing a meal that is good for me from watching Rachel Ray. Um, the you're a college tra-
3: Dean the fan. The track well, right? the big deal.
2: Uh I don't know. <laughs> um I don't I yeah I used to watch a lot of that stuff, but I don't have like the time or patience for it really anymore. Yeah. No Sometimes I watch Anthony Bourdain, um, yeah, because it's interesting to see him go different places, and I think it's very tasteful. Anthony Bourdain is a deris divisive, derisive is that a word? D-
1: divisive. He's both
2: divisive, D- both. Yeah, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain is a character, uh, <laughs> but I really like parts unknown and I also really like to no know reservations a lot but I don't watch I like I like
3: both those shows but he uh um is as a, a newly uh, not newly it's been about two years now vegetarian that there's parts where I'm like ah, I just can't watch any more crap and it's weird how my brain has shifted
2: yeah it's hard to get behind stuff like that you have to disassociate in your brain a little bit if you don't eat meat because it's like so so meat centric you know yeah um Which
3: is fun. I mean, I miss it, but you know, it's just one of those, one of those things. Um, So why'd your band stop recording?
2: (laughs) Okay. Now that all the talk about social politics and feminism is out of the way. No, I'm
3: just, no, I'm just, no, the reason I ask and we've, and Jonah and I have asked um, a number of bands this, um, and there's varying degrees of reasons and I'm all, and I'm fascinated uh, when a band says uh, hiatus.
2: Yeah. And not
3: just and and not just does one of two things just break up, which is fine mm-hmm. um and or just not say anything, yeah, and we've talked to so many people from from hell from Thursday to Fallout boy to even um Brian Fallon was just in there, they just you know made an announcement we're gonna go on a hiatus for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, which is interesting, and Fallout boy is one of the the grander successes with it, like, yeah, we're on a hiatus, and we're back, yeah, you know, so. I just, I'm always interested why, uh, what's what's the reasoning?
2: Well, basically, we had, you know, a very, we were a band for four years. We did more than we ever, ever expected that we would do. You know, we like started a band for catharsis and then ended up touring Europe, which I feel really grateful for. And, When I think about it, I still, like, actually can't believe that we were able to do that. Um, But the number one rule was, if it's not fun anymore, we don't do it. Um, Beyond
3: valid and understandable. Yeah.
2: Because, like, you know, (laughs) you shouldn't be in a pop-punk band if it's not fun. What the fuck is the point, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we just had like it was a few years of like a lot of change and um i think you know we just wanted to do different things wanted to go in some different directions wanted to explore different parts of ourselves and i think we kind of just wanted to grow up a little bit and uh that meant that chumped didn't really make sense uh for the four of us together at this time. And it might not ever, but it's hard to like say something like we're breaking up um, when, you know, it's so special to you.
1: You you know, it's always interesting to me. Is like, I was in a band for a long time that broke up and it's like when it, it's like you you can tie so much of your identity into it Mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm like, Anika from Sham, Drum, Jennifer, and then like that thing doesn't exist and you're like, wait, like who am I? Like I always am so associated with this thing and then this thing isn't there. It's like, it becomes so tied into who you are, who you think you are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I saw Kathleen Hanna speak about that once. Um, kind of her, like creation of her self and her her personal identity with Bikini Kill and it meant so, like I. Occupied so much of her, um, the way that she thought about herself in the world. And then when she wasn't doing Bikini Kill anymore, had to reevaluate all these things about who she wanted to be, um, and what she was, what she was about, you know, uh, and I that I go back to that a lot thinking about where I'm at right now, um, because yeah you like get swept up in a project that's really important to you that takes you places that occupies all of your time and energy and thought process you rearrange your life to have a future in it and then all of a sudden you don't do it anymore it's like okay (laughs) now on to something different um but it's a really exciting thing i think you know uh for for everybody to kind of have the ability to redefine
1: themselves totally and when so when i saw you play with chris and laura like i feel like you got up there and you were like i'm so nervous mm-hmm. and then you were great and it was like you were so funny and it sounded great i mean like do you, you're welcome do you feel like you're getting more kind of comfortable with being by because i feel like that must be so i feel like you're so much more exposed i guess
2: yeah it's hard to play alone. um i started playing music by myself and you know was a lot more comfortable with that. And then when I started playing in a band for the first time, it was terrifying and I never felt comfortable. And then I got really comfortable with that. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, well I'm going to go back to square one. But, um, I've been, you know, challenging myself to play, uh, solo because it's a really vulnerable space. And, um, allows, like, forces you to build some confidence because you have nothing else to fall back on. Um, And uh, I think that's both uh, from, like, a performance standpoint and from a personal standpoint, a really vital process. Um, But I've also been playing in a new project, and it's nice to be playing with a band. um, And also, like have more of a creative focus and be able to articulate that and like work with new people and um, build some skills in communicating like what it is that I want, what a vision for a project is Um, super different from Trump. That was like very democratic uh, and being like, I write these songs. This is, what i think that they are about this is how i think they should be presented but then like you know playing with new people who have new experiences and um different kinds of experience and then watching those songs become something totally different and that's been really cool too so
1: do you is the band like do you guys are you recording or doing shows or you're still mm-hmm. what's it called
2: it's called katie ellen okay um which was my great grandmother's radio stage name. But now everyone thinks my name is Katie. It's complicated, <laughs> but it's I mean,
3: not a bad name. It's not a bad name. No, it's and good.
2: I, you know, it, I felt like it spoke to me more than any other names really. So um, I've got a
3: Katie that lives in my house,
2: you know, Katie, <laughs> just like real nice, real nice name. Katie, I think, <laughs> uh, I could be I could be a Katie sometimes.
3: <laughs> is your is your Katie as obsessed with poop as much as mine is?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, nice but, to
3: know that that should, they don't grow out of that.
2: <laughs> no poop poop forever poop an important topic. It uh, is.
3: It's fair. No, it's- we
2: just made a record actually.
3: Yeah. Um, oh, right on.
2: Yeah, and it's not done. We're still we still have a bunch of stuff to do, but we tracked all the basics last week in philadelphia um and we'll just finish everything else in the practice space essentially next week and then
1: are you playing guitar or i play guitar yeah okay
2: Mm -hmm. and then dan from Chumped plays drums okay uh and one half of uh very good friends of ours in a band called adult dude um play guitar and bass okay so but it's cool.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's hard. I feel like it's so much work starting a new band.
2: It's really hard, but it's yeah. like been the most important thing that I've ever done. Like yeah. that and like working out songs playing alone. Um they're like a you know, very it's a symbiotic process, but it's it's really freeing, I think. Um to be like I have this new have a completely new opportunity to do something different and to like experiment and uh it's hard doing that like in the wake of another project um which is something that i think i'll continue to struggle with uh but i don't care (laughs) it's like you can still like jumped and you cannot like this and it doesn't matter to me you know now you're gonna
3: have to deal with those idiots in the crowd who yell kiss the bottle.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: they're always there and they always think they're the coolest one.
2: I went, I saw Father John Misty last week, which was incredible.
3: I
1: love him. I didn't even know he played here last week. He played Philly, okay. Um,
2: you. but it was like so moving and so inspiring. But this guy would not stop yelling Prince like every time. There was a lull in instrumentation. He just kept yelling Prince. And I was like, what is the point of this? Like, I don't understand. A, that seems insensitive to me. But B, like, shut up. What?
1: Some people, it's weird. I suppose this is, like, just can't handle, like, there being a moment of quiet. Like, they're like, I have to yell something. It's so weird. I've never had that instinct.
2: I don't know. It's like...
1: I think it's, it's like an attention thing.
2: Attention, or, listening problem. Yeah. Like you don't know, understand like show etiquette.
3: Right. It's also Philly.
2: Hey. <laughs> hey,
3: my wife is from Philly. No offense. And I love going down there because I love the attitude. I went to a beach slang show down there and some guy was just, you know, had his spot up front. He was there. Then the tallest guy in the room came and stood in front of him. And it was the funniest exchange I've seen in a long time. It's like, oh, great. Now I can't see. Awesome. You're the best. And then the guy in front of him was like, yeah, I want to be up front. What? And it was, oh, God, it cracked me up. Oh, man. Because I could see from where I was. So obviously it wasn't affecting everyone. And I get that. (laughs) You're tall. You want to be up front sometimes. I get it, but you got to go to the side, and that's not your fault. or Whatever. But is, yeah.
1: that, is that a big problem for you when you stand up front at shows? People are like, I can't see anything.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. They're. You know. I'm, I only go to shows with people like five feet and under. So. <laughs> no. I was well, gonna that... say
3: I, I. I can't see you at all.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> How do you even know I exist?
3: <laughs> it's the way Jonah has the phone set up. I've only seen your head the whole time. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay.
1: we had to improvise. Yeah. Were you gonna say something? Uh,
2: I people at Father John Misty were very nice, and I had a few people ask if I could see, which oh, was nice. which was very thoughtful. Yeah, did, I'm small.
3: I, I did. I swear to God, I always do that show this. So I'm like, seriously, man. I, I get it. I'm sorry. Can you step over? Because I I'm only five ten, but I'll try. I'm always looking to see who's behind me. Yeah, can they see? And, uh, you know, it's like going to Bowery Barroom, It's like, if I get the pole behind me, I'm gold. Then I won't move for the entire night. I won't yeah. even go get a drink.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
1: When I had my big afro, people would hate standing behind me. So it would be like an extra like six inches.
2: Like, the man, this hair.
3: Yeah. And they would go, excuse me, Mr. Gladwell. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you turning point to the left so I can blink and see the artist?
1: No, that's pretty good. You know what's crazy is I, I guess I bought the Tumblr domain, not Malcolm Gladwell. Because mm-hmm. I keep getting these emails like, you need to update this site. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I was going to make a blog about this. And then like after five minutes, forgot about it like two years ago. That's funny. Yeah. So Good to have a you should project. Put that, you put that as your Twitter handle. Yeah. Yeah. Not
2: anymore. I have a, like 20 Bandcamp domains. Really? Yeah, that I feel bad about. I should probably like go on there and relinquish them all because I'm never going to use them. But when I was trying to figure out what to call KDL and I just was like, well, maybe I want this <laughs> or this yeah, or this one. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people do that all the time. That's why when you go on some band camp pages, they're like, there's no tracks here yet. Because some freak has been like, well, in 10 years, when I start this band, I want to make sure I have the band camp for I it. I
1: know. Me and my friend oh, were yeah. to start a band and he wanted to call it Shit God. <laughs> oh my God. And they there was a band called Shit
3: God that already had the band camp <laughs> oh, page. There was a
2: band called Everything.
3: It's... I know. Yeah. So, if you There guys, was a band called Everything, actually. They're from my college.
2: Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so, if you guys want to take shit out, you're out of luck. Oh, man. Sorry. So, sorry, Anika. <laughs>
2: <sure>, Damn it.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you want to change Katie Allen to that. But.
2: It's cool. It'll be a nice album title. <laughs> Katie Allen, <laughs> shit God. <guys. laughs>
1: all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. Um, that was Anika Pyle and Katie Allen, ex chumps, current cool person and i i learned a lot from that podcast what about you brad yeah definitely i like
0: that you know i like that we have guests like this on yes i can you know even if i don't get to sit in i do get to be educated later. yeah yeah i and like now i feel educated
1: me too i feel yeah i feel like i could get in a debate with someone and almost make a point <laughs> um but yeah if you like if you enjoyed anika's um sparkling personality, you should, uh, check out her bands too. Check Hell out, yeah. check out Katie Ellen, check out Chumped. Um, you can follow her on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. You can also follow Going Off Track. Insta- you can follow Going Off Track. Not on Instagram, but, i can make an instagram page it's just like i just feel like it's one more thing what to would do you put
0: up? we probably you i just know, put
1: photos of us with our guests i
0: know it'd be st- stupid that we don't have an instagram
1: all right i'll make one
0: no wonder we're fucking poor i
1: know i know i'm gonna make an instagram you convince me i've been thinking about doing <laughs> it for about four years <laughs> uh but we are on twitter um you can also go to our website going abstract.com you can donate a dollar because we have over 200 podcasts on there we need to figure out our server situation. We're going <laughs> to, our current model is. I
0: promise I'll figure it out soon.
1: Yeah. I promise I will never figure it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to donate a couple bucks to help us keep all those episodes available for free, that would be great. Or if you just want to leave us a nice review on iTunes or drop us a line, that's also totally cool.
0: Um, what else, Brad, anything you want to promote? Uh, I have my, got my record labeled kind of back in gear just had a couple releases, play date and, uh, a Goop's EP. And where can people historical find Historical <coughs> songs. Soundwag.com. Go to Soundwag.com. Soundwag Records. But it's Soundwag.com. Soundwag.com. You link everything there.
1: Also, if you live in Boston or Brooklyn, uh, United Nations, June 21st and 22nd. June 21st, Great Scott in Boston. June 22nd, St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Yeah, um, baby. I'm going to Bonnaroo. I'm in Bonnaroo when you're hearing this, I think, and then... Oh no, I just got back. But yeah, the shows are really <laughs> soon. I really need to practice. You're freaking me out, man. Yeah, I'm going to practice soon and then we're going to play songs and it's going to be fun. But yeah, if you're in Boston or Brooklyn, come out. I don't think we're doing a ton of stuff this summer. So these will probably be some few chances to see United Nations. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty much it. We'll be back next week with um, another really, really cool podcast. So I guess we'll, we'll talk to that. Am I missing anything? No. Okay, I think that's it. All right, see you next week. See you guys.
0: Bye.